Beck for that wonderful encouragement today. And it is so great to have Matt back. It's so great to have Ashok back. It's so great to have everyone back home. There is no place like home. Um, you're right. This is, this is my backyard. This is my home. Um, and we have a creek that runs through it. And it's, even though the rain hasn't come for the last few days, the creek still has water trickling through. Um, water is wonderful. Um, I love having a backyard with a creek in it. The kids love to play in it, collect water to make muddy things <laughs> out the back, to wade in it with their, um, they had their shoes off the other day and were walking in it. It's so fresh, it's so cool and obviously we've had so much rain that uh, even the hills are so soaked that without rain the water's still soaking out of the hills and, and down the, the creeks. Um, Water is important. Um, it's actually extremely important. Uh, it's got a hugely significant role in our bodies, in our lives, in our food, in our land. A few fun facts about water. Water is inorganic, transparent, tasteless, and an odourless substance. It's the main constituent of Earth's hydrosphere and all fluids uh, of all knowing living organisms. Water is vital for all forms of life, uh, despite neither providing food, energy or micronutrients. 96.5% of water in Earth is in our oceans, uh, and it covers around 71% of the surface area of Earth. Yet only 3.5% or less of water in the Earth is actually fresh water that we can drink. And of this 3.5%, nearly 70% is in ice and glaciers. So there's very little that we can actually, of usable water, shall we say. Um, newborns are 78% water, uh, and adults are 55 to 60% water. So that's your fun, useless facts for the day. <laughs> water plays a significant role in the settling of communities and towns. You think of settlers when they settle a new area and um, as they travel, they look for a place of water. They need water to, to survive. Um, so wherever a village or town is set up, it's usually along a river or water supply. Uh, think of Adelaide, it's built around the River Torrens. Melbourne's built around the Yarra River. Brisbane around the Brisbane River. Canberra around Lake Burley Griffin. Catherine's built alongside the Catherine River. Alice Springs, the Todd River. The Swan River runs alongside of where Perth is. And most of our capitals are located near the coastline as well. Water is important, it's critical for life. When water is needed in any area, away from a river or coast, a well is dug to access water under the surface of the earth. So today I would like to speak on wells. Um, so I'm just gonna open with a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being with us today. And Lord, I pray that you open our ears to hear what you want us to hear today. I pray you open our hearts to understand what you're teaching us through your word. And I pray you use my mouth to speak what you want to be spoken today. We ask in your name, Lord. Amen. So wells. Wells in communities all around the world have a lot of significance. I think of the village, I've been to the village where Ashok grew up in India, and there's a couple of wells. They're a place that um, in the women particularly gather at the wells. They collect water from the wells. Um, they do that every day. They sit by the wells. They wash their clothes by the wells. Um, they'll sit and talk there. They'll wash their children there. They'll even go to the well offside and wash themselves there um, where, where they can access the water. 
coming together at the well, they may seek advice from each other. They may get support from each other. Perhaps an older woman may teach a younger woman how to wash her clothes uh, or wash their children. Um, perhaps they ask them, what are you planning to cook tonight for dinner? Give them a few ad tips, advice, put a couple of extra chilies in, that's better. <laughs> you know, it's a community together around a well. It's a social place. And I can imagine in the Bible days it would have been very similar as well. In the cool of the morning or the evening, the women would head off to the wells to gather water for their family. The heat of the day, it would not be the time that you'd go and collect water, um, but it would be the cool time because you had to carry it back. They used clay pots um, and they used skins and things to collect the water out the well, so it would have been heavy. You wouldn't want to do that labour in the middle of the day. You wouldn't find people getting water from the well in the middle of the day unless they were socially unacceptable or outcasts. So there's a lot of significance about wells in the Bible. So I would like to have a look at that today. Wells were built in centralised locations so that a whole community could access them. There were many wells dug uh, so that water was easily accessible for flocks and livestock. Wealthier homes would have a compound and they would dig a well inside of their compound, uh, whereas smaller villages and poor areas would have a, a well in the centre and you'd go from your home to get, get the water. Wells, uh, the Bible talks about wells having some kind of cover. Uh, in Genesis 29, verse 2 to 3, uh, it says there he saw a well in the open country with three flocks of sheep lying near it because the flocks were watered from that well. The stone over the mouth of the well was large. When all the flocks were gathered, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. Then they would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. So they had a cover to protect them and keep the water clean. There would often be troughs nearby so they could collect water, tip it into the troughs for the animals to drink. In the, middle, in the Middle Eastern areas that, where the Bible, um, a lot of the Bible times we, we learn about, when in those areas, it would have been very hot. People would have worn long clothes. So as they, as they travelled uh, and moved from one area to another, they would dig a new well so that they didn't have to walk so far to get water. As I said before, women would collect the water in the cool of the morning or evening. In Genesis 24:11 says he had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the women went to draw the water. Wells were places that travellers stopped. So as you travelled from one town to another, they didn't have Tupperware containers. They didn't have bottled water on the side of the road. They would collect water, put it in the skins and use that to drink as they were travelling. So they would need to stop frequently at wells, um, at places where they could draw fresh water to continue their travel. Wells were landmarks to communities. In Numbers 21.16 it says, The Lord said to Moses, Gather the people together, I will give them water. So in the scripture you read of many wells, they're symbolic. And when they were dug, they were often named by the, the people or the leader who, who dug them um, according to what had happened at that place. And wells in the Bible were places of divine revelation for many people. Water is life-giving and it symbolises creation and new beginnings. In Genesis 16:7, it says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. And again, when, they, well, when Hagar was wandering the desert uh, and the water ran out, uh, in Genesis 21:19, it says, God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. So wells and, and water, but particularly wells, are mentioned a lot in the Bible. 
And I'd like to read today the passage that we, most of us would know uh, in John 4. And this is where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. Now there's a large chunk of scripture here, um, and I'm sure most of us are familiar with this story. Um, but I'm going to look and focus on the significance of the well in this story and the living water that Jesus offers her. So we're going to read the first half of the story in John 4, verse 14 to 15, 4, 4 to 15. So Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied to her, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And beside, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you better offer water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water then I will never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. So we read this story in the Bible and it's an incredible story. Jesus stops at this well in the middle of the day and he meets this Samaritan woman. So not only were Samaritans disliked by the Jews, she was a woman, which is also they, the men didn't used to stop and talk to the women. Um, and again, she was fetching water alone in the middle of the day. Uh, and this gives us a lot of insight into the social standing, moral standing of, of this particular woman. Now we read that Jesus sits down at Jacob's well. It mentions it in the story, Jacob's well. He enters into com conversation with her and she responds and she asks him, where can I get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his flocks and his herds? So the history of this well to this woman seemed like common knowledge. As the story goes on, we won't read it all today, but we see that, Jesus, that the woman realises that Jesus is the Messiah. She goes back to her village, tells them all about Jesus and, and they believe in him. But what we see in this section of the story is a couple of things in reference to the well she is at. And then Jesus speaks about living water. So I want to look at these two things today. Jacob's well or the significance of wells and the living water that Jesus offers. So to understand Jacob's well better, we're going to turn back in the scripture, back to the Old Testament, and we're going to read about Isaac, so Jacob's father. Uh, and you can find that in Genesis 26, if you've got your Bibles, but I do have it on the screen. So in Genesis 26, we see Isaac has moved to the land of Gerar. So that's the land that the Philistines lived in. And at that time, a famine struck. 
Uh, and at the beginning of Genesis 26, the Lord says to Isaac, don't go to Egypt. So when the famine struck, they were going to travel up to Egypt so they could get food. And God tells him, don't go there. Stay here and do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in the land and I will be with you and I will bless you. So Isaac stays in that land um, and eventually the king of the Philistines proclaimed protection over him and his wife, Rebecca. After this... Isaac became very blessed. He harvested plenty, the Bible tells us, and the Lord blessed him. So we're going to read Genesis 26, and I'm going to read from verse 12. Isaac planted crops in the land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold, because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich, his wealth continued to grow, until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up. They filled them with earth or dirt. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us because you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away and camped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham had died, and he gave them the same names that his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarrelled with those of Isaac and said, This water is ours. So he named the well Esek, because they disputed with him. Then... They dug another well, but they quarrelled over that one also, so he named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarrelled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I will bless you and I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent and his servants dug a well. Meanwhile, Abimelech had come to him from Gerar with Azuth, his personal advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his forces. Isaac asked them, why have you come to me since you were hostile to me and sent me away? They answered, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. So we said there ought to be an agreement between us, between us and you. Let's make a treaty that you will do us no harm, just as we did you no harm, but we always treated you well and sent you away peacefully. And now you've been blessed by the Lord. Isaac made them a feast, they ate and drank, and the next morning they made the oath to each other. Isaac sent them on their way, and they went peacefully. That day, Isaac's servants came to him and told him about the well they had dug. They said, we have found water. Isaac named the well Sheba, and to this day, the town there is called Beersheba, meaning well of the oath. So it's this incredible story about Isaac's obedience following God's instruction. First to stay in that land and then to dig wells as they moved again and again. And it would have been difficult um, to dig those wells in those times. And then they faced opposition and they had to dig another well. 
and they faced quarrelling and arguments and they had to dig another one. But the whole time Isaac acknowledged that the Lord was with him and that he was blessed by the Lord. For those of you looking for connection from this story to the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, I've just done a quick rundown. I'm a bit of a visual person sometimes. So Genesis 25, we see Isaac. Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. So I've circled the main places in the story. Um, So Isaac moved to the land of Gerar, which is down the bottom, where the Philistines lived. They dug many wells. And in this story, we hear the last one was called Beersheba, which is down the bottom there. Then one of Isaac's son, Jacob, travelled up to the land that his mother came from, which is up near, uh, kind of between Bethel and Samaria. Um, And in the famous story you may know about where Jacob wrestles with God, um, that was in Bethel. And then we jump through to John 4 when Jesus is travelling. He's travelling from um, Judea down the bottom up to Galilee and stops in the middle at Samaria. So it's all in the same location. So the Bible gives a very accurate history of events. And I know it can be hard sometimes we think it was written so long ago, how do we know it's true? But when we look at this, the Old Testament, even to the New Testament, is accurate recording of events and locations that we can still believe in today. So when I read this passage in Genesis 26, I realise several important things about wells. Wells are a place of importance and to encounter God. Wells are a place of blessing and promise. And wells are places where we can become re-established. Wells are places of importance and to encounter God. Many times in the scripture we read of people meeting at a well, gathering at a well or a water source or digging a well. We read about the grace encounter that Hagar had with God in Genesis 16. Verse 13 to 14 it says, Thereafter Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, You are the God who sees me. She also said, Have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Beer Laharoi, which means well of the living one who sees me. And it can still be found there today. What we notice in scripture is that they named these wells out of the significance to what they encountered there. These areas of water and wells, we read Moses named some water he encountered Mara as bitter because the water was bitter. Isaac named those wells he encountered in Genesis 26 that we just read. Um, Some of the names he used, Essek, that means dispute because they disputed there. Sitna meant opposition because there was opposition there at the well. Rehoboth means room because there was room for them. And Sheba or Beersheba means oath, so it's the well of the oath. We read about Isaac's worship encounter with God. Uh, in verse 25, where he built an altar and worshipped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place and his servants dug another well. Worship acknowledges God as the source of our supply. When you position your well, it enables this place to be a place of great encounter for generations to come. 
Wells are used throughout the Bible as strategic places where relationships are formed. You see, God is a God of relationships and he will not only provide the resources that you need at the right time, but he brings people into your life at his strategic time as well. You think of Isaac and Rebecca in Genesis 24. The servant went to another town. He sat by the well. There Rebecca came and he knew that that would be the wife for Isaac. God revealed that to the servant at that well. In Exodus 15, verse 22 to 27, we read about Moses leading people of Israel out of the Red Sea and towards the desert. For three days they walked in the desert, but they found no water. They came to a place named Mara, but the water was so bitter they couldn't even drink it. This is why they named, it was named Mara. The people complained to Moses and said, what are we going to drink? And Moses prayed earnestly to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it in the water and the water became fit to drink. It says the Lord gave them laws to live by and there he also tested them. He said, if you obey me completely by doing what I consider right and keeping my commands, I will not punish you with any of the diseases that I brought on the Egyptians. I am the Lord, the one who heals you. Next they came to Elim, where the twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped by the water. You see, God wants us to encounter his mighty power when we are in the wilderness. He will give us a little test, like he did here with Moses. He made a small area of water okay for them to drink, and he gave them laws to live by. And the Bible tells us there he also tested them. And after the testing, we see that's when they came and they found the 12 springs and a land full of trees to camp under. This is in the wilderness, in the desert. So after trusting Moses and his people with a little bit of water, he tested them. When they passed that, he gave them plenty. He gave them a place of shade and rest and 12 springs, plenty of water. The second thing was wells are a place of blessing and promise. Wells represent supply and provision, but they require us to labour with God. Numbers 21, 16 and 17 tells us, from there they continued on to Beer, the well that the Lord said to Moses, gather the people and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, spring up, O well, sing about it, about the well that the princes dug. You see, God's people recognised that he was the one who provided the water before and he would do it again. Wells are an opportunity. They may appear small in size from the top, but they're connected underground to a vast supply of water, many times water that will never run out. When we come to God, we see this in action in our lives. Physical wells require labour and materials. They're difficult to dig, they're deep, and they would have been very difficult to dig in the times of the Old Testament when they didn't have modern machinery. Digging spiritual wells in our own lives also require labour and materials, not in the physical sense, obviously, but when we accept the living water of Christ, we must establish a well in our heart and in our life and in our family. 
We know it's not simple. It requires hard work and dedication. It requires sacrifice, like getting up on a Sunday and putting yourself in a position to receive to God by coming to church. It requires materials like the Bible, so reading the Word of God. It's those materials that equip us to dig these wells that will last The Lord knows it's hard work and he is there to help us along the way. He tells us in James 1.5, If you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously without finding fault and he'll give it to you. You see, God doesn't expect us to do it all ourselves, all the digging. He will supply and provide what we need, but we must ask him to equip us and help us labour with him. And then we see the blessings And the promises of God come to fruition in our life. And the third thing about wells is wells are places where we can become re-established. When we read the story of Isaac moving and in each new place digging a new well, we see firsthand the reality of the importance of water and wells. And we read that when the Philistines became envious of Israel's success, the best way they could hurt him was by filling up the well with dirt. Metaphorically speaking, dirt is the things that we face in life that get in the way. Dirt is the things that people try and dump in our wells, our springs in our life to put us off, to deter us, to slow us down. So what did Isaac do when his well became full of dirt? He tried to dig new wells. He faced a lot of opposition digging a well every time. Every time they reopened or dug a new one, There was problems, quarrels, disputes. So he kept trying and he kept digging another well until he got one that no one quarrelled over. You see, when you're digging wells in your life, sometimes it will feel like you'll dig and you'll get breakthrough and then you're set back again. So you dig again for breakthrough and then the opposition gets strong. But the Bible teaches us that opposition comes before breakthrough. We must persevere in our faith. Because when we dig a well, we are digging to reach living water, the water that God gives us. It's important to understand that wells last for generations. Even when they become filled with dirt and the things of life, they can be re-dug, they can be accessed again. Because deep underground is a supply of living water that continues to exist. This is why sowing seeds into your family for future generations is so important. Many people have a a legacy of Christian heritage in their family and Christian influence and it's been passed on through generations. And if you don't have that in your life, why don't you consider starting that for your family and for generations to come so that they too can tap into the well of living water that you dug. Genesis 26 verse 18 tells us, when we read that story of Isaac, that he redug the wells that his father Abraham had dug after his after Abraham's death, Isaac redug them. He restored the wells that Abraham had dug in the past. Because where the water of the Spirit had once flowed, there you'll see him again. You see, God heals the waters in our life and in the lives of our family. He's a redeemer. He turns bitter waters into sweet water that we can drink, pure water that no longer causes death. 
the Bible reminds us that God heals wells of generations, wells that dirt has filled. God restores them to working order in our life and in the lives of the generations to come behind us, bringing that refreshment of living water. There's a story in 2 Kings 2, verse 19 to 22. It says, One day the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha. We have a problem, my lord, they told him. The town is located in pleasant surroundings, as you see, but the water is bad. The land is unproductive. Elijah said, bring me a new bowl with salt in it. And they brought that to him. And he went to the spring that supplied the town with water and he threw the salt in it. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I have purified this water. It will no longer cause death or infertility. And the water has remained pure ever since, just as Elisha said. And the story we read before of Moses in Exodus, where God turned that bitter water into good water. And the promise in store for the Israelites as a result, finding multiple springs of fresh water because the Lord was faithful to them and they trusted him. The important thing to understand with water is that Jesus is our living water. The woman at the well, she knew she didn't have much to give. Jesus asked her questions that he already knew the answers of. Why? Because he wanted her to realise something. He wanted her to realise that he's the living water and that he wanted to give her that water. You see, living water starts with God. He wants the best for us. He wants to sustain us with living water. Sometimes when we try on our own and we dig, the water's bitter. But the Bible gives us so many promises to hold on to about the life God gives in water, the living water that we all have access through to Christ Jesus. Isaiah 49.10 says, They will never be hungry or thirsty. Sun and desert heat will not hurt them, for they will be led by the one who loves them. He will lead them to springs of water. Psalm 23.1 and 2, The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. He lets me rest in fields of green grass and leads me to quiet pools of fresh water. Psalm 84, 5 and 6. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. For as they pass through the valley, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains cover it with pools. Wells remind us that Jesus is our source of living water. We know that salvation comes from the living water of God. Isaiah 12.3 says, With joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. John 4.14, But those who drink the water will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And John 7, verse 37 to 38, Jesus said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. Where are your wells today? Where are the places that you've established your life around? Are your wells established in communities of God's God's people, godly places? Or are your wells watering your life with things that are not of God? Have you established your wells in places of the world? Have your wells become so full up of dirt, the stress of daily life, the dirt of hurts and experiences that you can't 
access them anymore. You see, wells are symbolic of us setting a place where we can draw living water from. We need to establish our wells in places that we are able to be watered with the blessings that God has for us. Places where our roots can push down deep into the soil and take hold because there will always be people trying to fill your wells with dirt and quarrel to stop you taking root. But God sent his son to be the living water for the world. He came to give us living water, living water that we may never thirst again. We've got to understand where our wells are and take hold of this water of life that he offers us. I pray today that you may look at the wells in your life and start to re-establish them in the places that you know that they're needed. That wells in appropriate places will be flourishing and wells in your life that are in inappropriate places may be filled up and that you may access the fresh and living water that God has for you. So as you go out this week, take time to ask the Lord to open your eyes to the living water that he so freely provides to us so we don't keep having to be thirsty. The living water that will will always nourish us.